This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey everybody, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Our podcast, you can listen on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much wherever. I've seen the Google searches, I've seen it's pretty extensive, and uh, you're going to want to tune in and, and find us this week because the Ducks have a football game. They're in L.A., baby. They're yeah. in L.A. The Ducks storm L.A., right? So, But this time it's not for USC. It's for Wisconsin, uh, the granddaddy of them all. I'm, I am just – so, I mean, I don't know about you, but the evolution for this has been race to recruiting, you know, for the early signing day. Then it's been Christmas, you know, leading up to Christmas. And now it's like, okay, all that's done. Football game. Right. I'm ready. Right. Like, yeah. f- for me – when we knew the Ducks were going to the Rose Bowl, I would prep my show and talk about the game. Right. But in the back of my head, I'm going, okay, don't hit this too hard. Right. Don't go too crazy on it because we still had a month. Yeah. Now we don't. Now we don't. Nope. Now we got a week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I know, you know, obviously getting, uh, getting the team down there. They're getting their first practice in. Just wrapping it up, I think, as you and I are recording this. Um, yeah, football's back. Uh, I'm excited. Man. Such a great game, too. I mean, to get Wisconsin, I know it could have been, uh, you know, Penn State there. There was a couple different options. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, Minnesota was kind of, you know, flickering in there a little bit. Right. But, um, I think Wisconsin's a great match. Two physical teams. Oregon typically does fairly well against the physical style of football teams. They yes. seem to really do well defensively and offensively. They seem to manipulate that quite a bit. Um, so I think this is a pretty good matchup for Oregon, no doubt. I thought going into it that that would be the case. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed uh, Hithliday, mm-hmm. who we're going to have on later on in the pod, his breakdowns on Wisconsin right. and all of the things that they do. And I, I still feel like this will be a familiar foe for the Ducks. A little bit. But maybe not in the way people think. Like right. It's easy to say Wisconsin is just another smash-mouth physical team. I see a lot of Stanford yeah. in that I remember before Mario's first year, he was asked, who's the toughest team to play in the Pac-12? And he said, I think it's Stanford because n- not necessarily the inside running and the physicality and the stereotype of, of what David Shaw has built, mm-hmm. but he talked about all the pre-snap motion yeah. And all the formations, I mean, they throw every formation in the right. book at you, just like an NFL offense. And I see a lot of that from from what I've read about Wisconsin and from what I've seen in very little tape study. Maybe Hith can confirm this, a team that plays that way. Yeah, I, I think what you're alluding to is the diversity of their offense. And that's something that we talked about being a good tool for Oregon both on offense and defense. I think that's something that Stanford does. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, everybody kind of, and we're talking about Stanford, but everybody knows Stanford and Wisconsin's bread and butter is running the football power run, but they can do so many other things that make you respect, 
those elements and mm-hmm. really get your defense guessing a little bit. At the end, of the, I mean, we know Wisconsin's going to come in and turn around and hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor at least twenty-five times, as they should. That's what they should do. Yeah, and yeah. as I would, but it's still, it's not just that that's effective for them. It's you know when they do play out, play action off that because you know you've got to account for that. Um, and maybe catch your linebackers slipping or your DBs creeping up or, or you know, those various things that the offensive coordinator is looking for. Good team. It's going to be a good football game. So this brings up a good question. I know Jay Hop, the football fan. It feels like your favorite player in college football this year is Jonathan Taylor, right? I, you know, I, I like many others, I hate the fact that the Heisman Trophy simply become a quarterback's award which is really all it's done. And don't get me wrong, I understand the importance of that position. I understand that without a without a great quarterback, you're not likely going to be a top 10 team. You usually have to have at least solid to above, you know, above average quarterback play to get there. But I mean, guys like Jonathan Taylor, I mean, yeah, there's some great running backs out there, but that guy's the cream of the crop by it, a long ways. Is he the best player the Ducks have faced this year? Ooh, good question. Uh, man, I, you know, the only other person that just right off the top of my head, the only other person I can come up with is Michael Pittman. Mike Pittman. Right. You know, Ooh. Micah Pittman's brother for USC. USC. And Oregon did really well against him in that game. But, I mean, that's a guy that can take over a football game, too. He's a heck of a, he's a, heck of a ball player. So immediate reaction without sitting here and spending five minutes in my slow hamster wheel turning inside my head, I'd probably say Jonathan Taylor's the most explosive and dangerous guy they're going to face offensively, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that guy's a stud, dude. Yeah. He's, he's going to run, and then they're going to throw him the ball a little bit. I mean, you know, again, that's the that's the best part about Wisconsin offense, though. You got a guy like that, and you must account for him. But if you can do a, a few little things off that, some play action, you know, maybe a little bootleg, some tight end play, something makes you a very dangerous offense. It's going to be really fascinating. New Year's Day, Rose Bowl, as Justin said. It's the uh, granddaddy of them all there in Pasadena. You ever been to the Rose Bowl? I have, a couple times. Oh, what a, tre- what, a tre- what a tremendous experience if you haven't been. And if you have been, I think people typically go back very often because of the experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you know, typically have really good weather. A um, lot of room to tailgate. Sometimes you just kind of you're basically on a golf course, uh, you know, tailgating. Um, just if you do it right, it it can be confusing. It can there can be traffic, but if you get there early, um, you know what a what a tremendous you know the flyover. I mean, it's it, it is now. Make sure if you're listening to this and this is your first time, make sure you plan on going in early. This is right. not like Autzen Stadium where it's like oh 20 minutes to kick off. I'm going to make my way in. No, no LA no, traffic, man. No, not only LA that, traffic. I'm talking about getting into the actual Rose Bowl when it's okay. full like it is, and it will be for this game when it's full like that. The gates are the gate entrance is not very. It's just not very well done. It could be more streamlined. You will get bottlenecked at mm. the gate trying to get in. Mm. So plan ahead, people. Don't don't assume because you'll miss the flyover. You'll miss a lot of the pageantry that starts before the game, which is truly a, a very incredible part of the experience. Yeah. No, and with old stadiums, you'll have stuff like that happen. It's really bad. <laughs> I, I think about I, I bring this up all the time and I hate to do it on this podcast. But uh, my Raider fandom, oh, yeah. that's where the Oakland Coliseum is that way. Is it? It's yeah. just old and 
the walkways are narrow yeah. and it bottlenecks as you're coming in and yep. you know just things like that, that you got to watch out for you're going to get in a big old deep line and it's going to barely move and it's going to feel like forever getting in again if it's your first time going just i'm trying to help you out here you you know you can thank me after be like j hop you were right i i tried to get in 60 minutes before the game started and i made it 10 minutes to spare right you know that's it's literally going to be like that so still a great experience so tremendous experience so we're going to talk to Hithla Day soon. Yeah. Uh, questions for you before we do. Okay. What do you think is the most important thing that the Ducks need to do? Uh, hey, I'll say this first and foremost. I've already talked about Jonathan Taylor enough, and you're not going to eliminate him from this game, but you're going to try to keep him in check okay. as best you can. So since I've talked about that already enough, I'll just go ahead and come up with something else so that it adds to the discussion offense we've got to see Oregon's offense get going I just don't I just hate to see this team put itself behind the eight ball not moving the ball early not being creative uh you know how much is Marcus Arroyo going to call this thing how much you know will Jim Mastro be involved obviously it'll be a little bit different dynamic with Arroyo uh you know not really being the offensive coordinator anymore but being there um, so I, I think for me, I think there's going to be a lot of distractions for Coach Arroyo trying to do his duties as UNLV's head coach, um, you know, putting a staff in place and these other things. Uh, offensively, Oregon needs to get on track. We need to see the offense that we saw against Utah, not the offense that we saw against ASU and Oregon State, which really has me concerned. You bring up Arroyo, mm-hmm. and to me, that's the biggest question mark for yeah. the Ducks. Would they have been better off just letting him go to Vegas and seeing what they have from somebody else as a play caller? Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna pretend that this is inside information. But if I'm Mario Cristobal and Arroyo wants to, come, I could understand Arroyo wanting to come back and coach in the Rose Bowl. This is a big deal. I know for Oregon fans, when Oregon was getting close and into that playoff talk. All of a sudden, some people are disappointed by the Rose Bowl. It's like, what is wrong with you? Right. It's a freaking Rose Bowl. Right. I mean, there isn't a person, a player on this team that isn't juiced about playing in the Rose Bowl. There isn't a coach on this roster that isn't juiced. And I think that's a big part of it for Arroyo to come back. Is it's a milestone for him. Yeah, it's, hey, man, I got to coach in the Rose Bowl. This is something I grew up dreaming about. This is very special, and it is very special. If I'm Mario Cristobal, I'm keeping a close eye there on how much time Arroyo is able to invest in Oregon and the offense and if it's different than what he was doing before he got the job uh, you know personally I, I get the feeling that it seems like you really want him there in the quarterback room kind of leading those guys and talking to those guys but maybe not doing his full-scale offensive coordinator duties if that makes sense you know so maybe not all the install and not all the planning maybe you're leaning on Jim Mastro a little bit more for that and taking a little bit off of Marcus Arroyo's plate in that regard. You know, both will control their rooms, Mastro with the running back and Arroyo with the quarterbacks. I think that's where the most value comes in from Arroyo is having him come back, working with the quarterback specifically, kind of keeping that room in check. Right. Because let's face it, uh, quarterbacks are like golfers, man. They get inside their own heads yes. and it's, yes. it's on or it's off. And know? And I think that's a really neat idea. I didn't approach it from that angle, but this is going to be one of the most distracting weeks of Justin Herbert's life. Absolutely. All the scouts, yep. all the media, all the attention on him. He's the star of this team, and he's a senior, and he's going to the draft. So he has all of that added on. 
it would be way too much to ask him to help the other guys in these installs. Yeah. No, you're Whereas right. you have Arroyo, and he can lead that room yeah. and help those guys through whatever game plan the rest of the staff cooks up. But you don't need Arroyo to call plays on game day. Right. I feel like that's the best of both worlds. You really just kind of need that. I mean, it's... I don't want to use the term father figure because that's not even remotely what we're going for here. But you need that soothing voice that's been there with you since you were basically a sophomore, which is a royal that knows, you know, you know, knows your what's the word I'm going for here? Knows kind of your little quirks. Yes. Knows how to talk to you, knows how to calm you down if you're hyped up or knows how to get you going. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody's got quirks. I've got quirks. You've got quirks. Herbert's got quirks. So you need a Royal that knows him in and out probably a little better than Mastro to say, hey, dude, just settle down and play ball. You know what I mean? Just yeah. having that voice that you're comfortable with being there is probably the most value that a Royal can add over anything else. Well, you used the golf analogy. Mm-hmm. Every golfer needs a caddy. Absolutely. And quarterbacks need a caddy. They really do. I mean, even the great ones, even you know Tom Brady or, or those guys, a lot of those guys have worked with a great quarterback coach and they'll tell you how much it's impacted them. Um, and whether whatever your verdict is on Arroyo as a quarterback coach or as an offensive coordinator, he he's the guy that Herbert trusts the most. Having him there definitely helps Justin Herbert, which in turn, as we've said before, this offense lives and dies with Justin Herbert. Right. If he don't play well, it's usually bad for Oregon. <laughs> well, hopefully he plays pretty well on yeah. New Year's Day. Uh, Rose Bowl coming up. Ducks playing Wisconsin. One last thing yes. before we get into Hith. Yeah. Uh, have you heard anything about the jerseys? I got to just because I know I read. Yeah, I read and I, I read Scoop Duck and I read Twitter and it's all anybody's talking about. Right I now. know. I know. It's it's uh, what do we call it? Jersey Gate, I guess. You know, <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say. OK, I, do I know the uniform combinations? No, I have not laid okay. my eyes on them. Do I know that they're throwbacks they're not throwbacks i think the prop what all i can simply say with confidence is i think fans have really like so so rob wasn't joking when no, when mosley no, tweets out no. that we've seen him before yeah. he was not talking about the 94 and I, throwbacks and, and i've said and, you know, and i've said it on the on the site i've posted on the site man i think i think fans have and look i love it this is what we do every day. We we get an idea and we get going and it distracts us from our daily life. And it's like, oh, man, what you know, you're sitting here, you spend an hour thinking what what uniforms are Oregon going to wear. You start imagining them and you forget that you have a job to do and bills to pay and stuff. Right. That's what we're doing. So I get it. I'm not picking on you guys. I just think we've gone a little too far. And I, I think I hate to see when people are are disappointed. But that's the that's why you manage expectations again. I think I think fans just need to kind of cool it a little bit, you know. I think there will be some cool gear for fans to buy. Right. I just don't think that I don't I don't think the players are wearing anything special. No, from from what I've seen, like the sweater at the duck store mm-hmm. and the shoes that just got released the other day, those yeah. are tight. Yeah, like you want those. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm with you. I think everybody wants that '94 throwback. Oh and yeah, they're just not going to get it. <laughs> no. Um, it's it's fascinating though. Right. You, you you see this with Scoop Duck. You're talking to duck fans every day and i see it in my job talking to duck fans i wonder if that's ever going to go away that itch that needs to be scratched yeah. of what are the ducks wearing this week or right. the ducks have a brand new jersey coming out yep. or the ducks have new shoes like it just that is so duck fandom well and oregon created that i mean the university of oregon created that for a while there when they weren't the recruiting 
you know, dynam- dynamo that they are now under Mario Cristobal, the hot sell for Oregon was, hey, we got the latest jerseys, we got new jerseys, you don't wear the same combination, you know, for, uh, for you know, any time twice in a year. I mean, they, they have promoted and sold this to recruits for years. And it's really funny because now Mario Cristobal is kind of like, yeah, all right, we're, we got all these jerseys. You know what I mean? He's out here trying to sell the program and trying to sell the coaching staff and trying to sell what they're building from a totally different, whereas that's kind of like number 12 on the list of things that, oh, yeah, by the way, we always get these new cool jerseys and stuff, but don't worry about that. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. For me, that's just kind of just kind of how I see it. And, and again, I, I don't blame the fans. We've all been cultivated to expect this, to get excited by it, to – yeah, what's Oregon wear? I mean, Oregon even still under Mario Cristobal, they still announce it. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, here's the uniform combination, you know, on Twitter and stuff. So, you know, I think that's something Mario Cristobal might still be working into. kind Because, I mean, you come from Alabama and they're, I mean. <laughs> you don't have throwbacks. <laughs> what's Alabama wearing this week? Oh, it's right. the same thing as last week. Right. Same thing as the week before. Same thing, <laughs> you know. There, there's certain programs, <laughs> Bama, Notre Dame, Michigan, you, your fans get mad if you change things up. Yeah. I, I don't think Mario Cristobal's quite caught on to that niche just quite yet because you come from Bama or you come from Miami even. Right. And it's like... There, there's the other one. Yeah, like, what are they wearing this week? Oh, the same thing as last week. Same thing as week four. Same thing as first week. Same thing as second week. Wearing the same thing. So, and I get it. I love... I, some of those schools, I love that they have the... You know, Penn State, Alabama, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Miami. I love that some of those schools have their tradition and don't change their uniforms. I really respect that. Uh, but for Oregon, the tradition's kind of been having new and different uniforms, and right. that's a fun tradition too. They right. can. It doesn't mean one has to be better than the other. They can both be fun traditions, and Oregon kind of has that tradition where Alabama and Penn State have others, and I respect those. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... I just don't think Mario Cristobal's caught on to Oregon's tradition yet. <laughs> it probably won't happen January 1st. <laughs> no, it probably won't. Maybe somebody gets in his ear over the offseason and says, hey, we can make a lot of money. If, yeah, uh, yeah. If bring a lot of money to the program if you're just willing to wear those 94s once a year. It's all about moving product. Merch. Gotta move some merch. <laughs> uh, Rose Bowl. We got Hidla Day waiting in the wings uh, at... Hidla Day One on Twitter writes at Addicted to Quack also has contributed a lot to Scoop Duck Absolutely. this season and has really dominated the film study. Like he's gone all in on Wisconsin and what they like to run and how they like to play. And I want to find out what he thinks about this team. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. I, I feel like the lazy comparison, maybe even for myself, has been how much this team is like Utah and Oregon just face Utah and beat them. Just because they're sort of similar doesn't mean they're the same. I think they're. I think your comparison to Stanford was probably a lot more accurate. Yeah, maybe in and maybe not Stanford this year, just because Stanford was on a different level this year. Well, oh, they were terrible. Yeah, but the Stanford of old that we're all used to seeing, you know, the Andrew Lux and the guys that have come through there and been that that offense when it's humming is is hard to stop. That's a great looking offense. So let's hear about Wisconsin from Hitler Day and and uh, see where that takes us. He's Hidladay at Hidladay1 on Twitter, writes at Addicted to Quack, hosts a podcast there as well, and helps out a bunch on Scoop Duck, scoopduck.com. Hidladay, our guest. Hith, I posed this question to Justin a couple minutes ago, and I want to toss it to you. What's the most important thing for the Ducks when they face Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl? Stop, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> right, there's. 
I mean, what sane person would watch, you know, 10 minutes of Wisconsin and come to any other conclusion? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, that's exactly what I, I said. Hit. But then I had already kind of talked about it before. So then, you know, the next thing that I hit on, which you, which I can kind of warm you up to, is is that, you know, Oregon's offense definitely has to get going. We need to see the offense that we saw against Utah, not the offenses against ASU and OSU. Uh, what what So with that, what does Wisconsin show defensively that Oregon should be able to take advantage of on offense? Um, I think their secondary is fairly shaky. Um, they, they have a pretty good pass defense, but it is almost entirely because their pass rush is very good. Um, actually, Wisconsin's uh, defensive structure is uh, pretty interesting. They, they basically play the same four linebackers uh, every down. Um, unless those guys are injured and they have to bring in one of the backups and it's a big drop-off for backups. Um, and those four linebackers are pretty good. Two are outside linebackers, two are inside linebackers. The, the outside guys play up on the line, the inside guys at depth. And the interesting thing about their defensive structure is that they count your tight ends. Um, if you have a zero or one tight end, they will... Um, They'll put in two defensive linemen and go to a nickel on the back end. If you've got two or more tight ends in, um, they'll sub out the nickel and put in a nose tackle and go to a bare front. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. But they're, the, the point being, uh, they're very structured around their linebackers. They're a very good set of linebackers. Um, the defensive line is they're good. They're nothing to write home about. Um, and the pressure that they're getting, uh, you know, on the quarterback, especially in, in, in the past defense, is all coming from those linebackers. In particular, uh, number 56, Zach Bond, who's an OLB, uh, and uh, number 54, uh, Chris Orr, um, who's an ILB. Um, those guys get to the quarterback pretty pretty well. Um and, you know, if they do, good night. You know, your, your quarterback's going down. I have no confidence that Justin Herbert is going to be, you know, if the offensive line lets, lets one of those guys through, I have no confidence that Justin Herbert's going to be able to evade him. However, if the offensive line holds up, I don't think Herbert's going to have difficulty at all picking apart Wisconsin secondary. So it sounds like, uh, I would guess, it sounds like the running backs are going to be, running backs and tight ends will be an integral part here of, of blitz pickup and, and keeping the, Keeping the quarterback safe, I guess, if you will, on, on obvious passing plays, it sounds like. I definitely think that's true. And if the uh, offensive line can handle it without those guys and just block with five, which I think is a strong possibility. I, I don't think that um, Wisconsin's really faced uh, offensive tackles as good as Penny Sewell and Calvin Throckmorton before, certainly not you know both on the same team. I think that Ohio State has is an interesting team. I'll talk about more about them over the summer because Oregon's going to be playing them. It was interesting to preview them while I was watching Wisconsin. Um, but uh, if Oregon's offensive line is able to stand up to their pass rush, then the other thing that's true about um, Wisconsin's um, pass defense, uh, which jumps out of film, is they play it pretty soft, especially over the middle. And so uh, running backs, you know, leaking out uh, over the middle or, you know, tight ends on a seam route, that stuff is often pretty wide open. It's interesting you mention Ohio State, Hith, because I'm right there with you. If you're going to evaluate Wisconsin, you have to look at how they played the Buckeyes this year. It felt like there were two camps 
of people that that kind of looked at that game one said hey this is really impressive what wisconsin did in the first half and the other said hey this is really impressive what ohio state did in the second half uh, sounds like you're in the uh, second camp there more impressed with the buckeyes not so much with the badgers uh i mean i was impressed with the I was impressed with them both. Um, I, I think describing that game as, you know, the most cliche description in the world, you know, the tale of two halves, is, is incorrect. Um, Wisconsin, in that, uh, the conference championship game, Wisconsin owned the first four drives, the first two of uh, their offensive possessions and the first two of Ohio State's offensive possessions. Um, it, you know, give them all the credit in the world. They really were kicking butt on those drives. Uh, they got some big plays on offense. They got a couple of sacks on defense that, you know, killed those drives. Um, from that point forward, uh, Ohio State was killing them on a per-play basis. Um, even their third possession, which ended in a goal-line fumble, you know, that's sort of obscured that fact. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin scores the first 14 points. It ends on a 38-7 to Ohio State run. Like, Ohio State was clear, was just overall the better team in that game. Now, Wisconsin was dealing with some injuries in that game. Um, Ohio State had a couple uh, as well. Um, but, yeah, that it really was the case that Wisconsin was doing very well uh, in that first, like, quarter and a half or so. Um, and then Ohio State just took over the game because it's a much more talented team. What did you think they did well in the, the first stretch of that game? Well, uh, defensively, they got some sacks, which, you know, like I was saying earlier, that's really, you know, what this defense produces that's, you know, if anything, a game changer. The rest of their defense is, it, it's nothing Oregon hasn't seen before. I guess I'll put it that way. Um, offensively, they were hitting some big plays, which Wisconsin sporadically does. They're not really, uh, they're, they're not an offense that is dependent on explosive plays. Um, you know, certain teams that you watch definitely are in Wisconsin. I wouldn't describe it as that, but they, they do get them from time to time. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is not just a grinded out running back. He will, you know, break it big. You know, if you don't defend that properly, if your safety misses that tackle, you know, good night, he'll put a 45 yard run on you. Um, and then in the passing game, Wisconsin's passing game is actually fairly interesting. I would I would describe them as a one receiver team. Um, Quintez Cephas, uh, number eighty seven, is you know he's an excellent wide receiver. He's tall, he's fast, he's got great hands, he's got a good vertical. Um, he's the only guy they throw it on intermediate routes or deep routes. Uh, the quarterback Jack Cohn tends to lock onto him, especially under pressure. And uh, you know if it's a slant route, you know you know the ball's going to him. And, you know, opposing defenses, you know, figure that out uh, relatively quickly. They can just sort of lock out Cephas, and, you know, the rest of the passing game is just short stuff. Um, so, you know, early in the game, they were hitting some big plays to Cephas. Uh, Ohio State took Cephas away. That was that. A uh, lot has been made. So, you know, obviously when you play a team that you have not faced before, at least in the season, uh, folks want to compare them to another team that you've played in that year. I think I've heard Utah mentioned quite a bit. Uh, sure. Matt, Matt and I seem we're talking earlier and kind of felt this was more of a of a Stanford of old type of team. You know, maybe when they were a little bit more explosive offensively. Uh, yeah. For an, for an Oregon fan from 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 your mouth, you know who who do you think they uh, most resemble? Hmm. You know, I don't think Oregon has played a team um, in recent memory that maps very well onto Wisconsin um, since the last time they played Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. It, it really is a pretty unique team in the Pac-12. Uh, there are, or compared to Pac-12 teams, there, 
you were right when you asked me last time, you know, whether or not it was too easy to just compare them to Utah because they are, they're different teams. You know, I've already, I think, laid out a couple of uh, differences in the way that uh, Wisconsin structures their offense and their defense that are pretty different. You know, I'm, I was much more concerned about Utah's passing offense than I am Wisconsin's passing offense, for example. Um, and just the way that they, they structure their pass rush, you know, the way they line up on the line of scrimmage on defense is very, very different from Utah's. Um, that said, uh, I do think that if you're looking for how is Oregon going to play against, you know, how's, what's Oregon's game plan and strategy going to be, they're probably going to play it pretty similarly to the uh, game against Utah. Um, you're probably going to see on defense from Oregon a lot of, you know, cover one, not a lot of respect for the passing game, um, and just, you know, load the box, do everything they can to keep uh, – uh, Jonathan Taylor under control because you can do that. You know, Wisconsin doesn't got anything else. Um, and when Oregon's on offense, I think they're going to try to. Um, I think they're going to try to you know play it in all facets. You know, that's probably the one. I think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game. I think that the one um, advantage structurally that stands out to me for Oregon is that it, Oregon does a little bit of everything fairly well. Right? They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They can you know, defend whatever you want to do. It, it, it is a fairly complete team, although we, you know, don't often see Oregon play <laughs> a complete game, which they don't make a lot of, you know, mistakes. Wisconsin's playing at their ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a well-coached team. Um, they know what they do well. They lean into what they do well. Um, but, you know, they, they don't have any room for growth. And, you know, they can't really adapt and play a different game if something's not working. And I think Oregon can. I think that's what you're going to see out of the offense. You're going to see a lot of testing um, to, to start the game out to find out where the, you know, vulnerabilities are. And I think in the second half, they're really going to attack them. Uh, is this a game where Oregon's defensive line should be able to maybe, quote-unquote, pin their ears back and get after the quarterback a little bit? I understand they're probably fairly good uh, in run protection, uh, given Jonathan to her. Taylor success, but is it is there an opportunity there for the defensive line to maybe get after the quarterback a little bit? Uh, I would actually think the pressure is going to come more from the outside linebackers than the defensive line. Up the middle, their uh, offensive line is very, very good. Um, Biotish, uh, their center who won the Remington, has one of the best pass uh, blocking uh, error rates you know, lowest that I've ever tallied. Um, and their guards are pretty good as well. Um, their tackles are are a little less uh, athletic than I'm used to seeing in the in the Pac-12. Um, I think the guys coming off the edge, you know, Thibodeau at all, um, could have a pretty good day going against against those tackles. That said, I feel like we we've covered most of the bases here. How are you feeling about Oregon's chances heading into this big uh, this big Rose Bowl? You know, I think it's going to, this is a cliche, but I think it's going to come down to how well Oregon executes. You know, I, I think Oregon's got a higher ceiling than Wisconsin does. You know, they've got more, uh, they simply have more talent on the roster. They're deeper. They're more capable of weathering injuries. They're more capable of doing multiple things. I think if they, you know, execute at the level that, you know, they ought to be and don't kill themselves with stupid mistakes, you know, they're their ceiling is a bit higher than Wisconsin is. And you also, 
you know, Wisconsin's got to take away more from Oregon to disable them than Oregon's got to take away from Wisconsin to disable them. Now, taking Jonathan Taylor away, that is a very, very tall <laughs> order, but at least <laughs> right. Oregon knows what it's going to be. That, that really resonated with me, Heath, because I feel a couple things about this game. One, it's in L.A., and so I'm a little scared that there's some boneheaded mistakes and guys getting a little out of control and, and out of character. Don't want to see that. If the Ducks avoid that and the game plan is solid and the execution is solid, I'm with you. I think this is the better team with more talent. And the only wild card for me is Wisconsin might have the best player. I think they might have the two uh, best uh, skill talent players. I think that Cephas is probably a better receiver than any single receiver that Oregon has. It's just that Oregon's got more than one of them. Oh, which is nice. That's something we haven't heard much of in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess especially if Pittman's back, that could be a real X factor for Oregon. Yeah, we'll have to see about that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Hith, uh, we always love having you on. We try to keep it a nice little 10, 15-minute window for you because you've got other things going on. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, want to thank you for your time this year. This will be our, our final podcast of, of 2019, apparently. So. Uh, thank you for your time and, and contributing on the site and doing what you do. And, and we're looking forward to a, a, a tremendous 2020 with you, brother. Uh, my pleasure. If I can plug something real quick. Of course. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I have been this whole month posting every day a clip from, you know, my film study of Wisconsin. And, you know, it's kind of hard to fit those descriptions in that 140 character limit. But, you know, picture says a thousand words and, and, and they're nice videos, high quality. And I think people can learn a lot. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, just so you know, Matt, plug in on Twitter before we had you on. But, yeah, it's it's always a, a great follow. Yes. Uh, great read. Yeah, I try and retweet you when I can, brother. I know I, I don't get them all, but uh, keep doing that. And uh, we'll help get this thing off the ground for you. Good talking to you guys. Thanks, Heath. I love the little spoiler there. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, I am much more optimistic about Oregon's chances after talking to Hith than I was before he came on. Really? Yeah. I well, I wasn't like you know Wisconsin's going to smoke Oregon, but I think he brought up a lot of good points, and I guess maybe I didn't realize that their secondary wasn't as strong as it is, which makes sense because a lot of the the Big Ten teams focus on linebacker play and defensive line play. Uh, usually have you know fairly physical safeties, but not super reliable from a pass coverage standpoint. Uh, and I think uh, you know I think Wisconsin kind of fits that narrative. Uh, again, it none of it's going to matter at all. It it all comes down to number ten. So I ask this question not to get you to tip your sources. That's okay. not where I'm going here. But I know you're plugged in. I've seen it firsthand. You're plugged in. You got a lot of people there that that you can trust that tell you about Oregon and Oregon's approach. When you heard, or or, or let, me, let me rephrase this. When you had concerns about Wisconsin heading into this game was it more what you had heard about Oregon's approach to Wisconsin or was it just what you had seen from Wisconsin I, it's just it's from what I've seen from Wisconsin you know obviously uh, they were able to play Ohio State at least for a half of a football game and that's a heck of a ball club uh, you know now they weren't able to close it out I think Wisconsin quietly had a, a pretty solid season uh, I think Jonathan Taylor's uh, an absolute baller and you you have to i mean he is a guy that can 
you know, have a huge impact on this game. Although Oregon does typically scheme and has done fairly well against the run game of their opponents so far this year. Um, the other part for me is, uh, and the Rose Bowl is great, but you've got your team in Los Angeles for the week, staying in a hotel, going to Disneyland, doing all these other things. You're not at home. Um, you're not in that comfort zone. It, you know, it's really tough to go between holidays, you know, Christmas and New Year's and keeping a bunch of 17 to 21 year olds engaged and, and, and on hand. And, you know, you've got some seniors that are leaving and I'm, I know no question they would love to leave on a high note winning a Rose Bowl. But again, you, it just, it takes a lot of work to keep everybody focused and on task. And it's not to say that Mario Crisp won't do that because he does very well at that traditionally. Um, it's just a little bit harder to do when you're on the road, especially being in Los Angeles, considering a good amount of your team is from Los Angeles and their families around and their, their cousins are stopping by and their parents and, I'm sure Oregon will be all right, but uh, Wisconsin is no joke. I think you start to overlook Wisconsin, and, and you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for it all to shake out, man. No. New Year's Day. I'm excited. And then, you know, for those who don't know, uh, I'll be up in Central Oregon. I'll be at Wild Ride Brewing having a watch party there. We're going to have a, a separate room set aside for for this. I know I've posted about it on the site. I've got it on Facebook. Um, I'll, start, I'll start promoting it a little bit more now that Christmas is done, but uh, if you're listening to this and don't know yet, I'll be uh, I'll be in Central Oregon in Redmond uh, for the uh, for the Rose Bowl, watching it at Wild Ride Brewing. So make your way, it's, and kids can show up, and they've got food trucks, and they've got all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I know they're planning on doing some raffles and some other fun stuff during the game. So real quick, mm-hmm. uh, you want to do lock of the week? Yeah, I didn't even or, think just, about that. just for the game. No, yeah, just you're right. We got to, we got to, because yeah, because the game is on a Wednesday. And, you know, we, we usually record on a Wednesday, but, you know, Tuesday's a New Year's Eve. So, um, you know, Matt and I are, are, are planning, just so everyone's aware, Matt and I are planning as not being able to do a podcast next mm-hmm. week. Uh, you know, just with the game being on a Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be traveling back from Bend. I know you've got obligations as well. Yeah. So, you that, know. That Monday is going to be my craziest Monday of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, next Monday. Yes. This time, oh, okay. Yes. So the 30th. Yeah. No Monday night football to bail me out at night. Oh, yeah. I got a two-hour show. I got to prep for that. Gotcha. I'm covering production for a coworker. It's going to be insane. Gotcha. So you're going to be slammed. Yeah. It'll be tough just because, you know, Wednesday's New Year's, and I don't know if you guys will be closed here. I assume you will be. Yes. But, you know, you guys will be closed here at the radio station, and uh, the game will be on Wednesday. I'll still be producing content from the game and won't have time to, even if you were here and available, I wouldn't have time to come in and, and do a, a you know an hour podcast or whatever. So uh, this is it. So yeah, I guess we got to do lock of the week. We got to do player of the game prediction. And I'd say we just talk about a couple other bowl games real quick that happened this weekend, and we're off to the races. Yeah. Lock of the week, and this is for Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl lock of the Ducks week. Wisconsin. I feel like this is a game. You mentioned the most important thing is stopping Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Hith said the same thing. Most important thing, stopping Jonathan Taylor. Let's say he gets under 100 yards. I know it's tough. I know he's the best darn player in college football. Oregon definitely wins if that happens. They make it happen. Okay. They make it happen. I think they, they, they tighten up defensively. 
They're focused. They're fired up. The seniors basically give a, a rally to this team and just say, hey, we got beat by Oregon State. Sure. We got blown out by Washington. Yeah. And at three, four years later, we're in the Rose Bowl. We're not losing this game. Yeah. I think they get it done. I, I think that's the blueprint. I, I know that, uh, you know, Hith mentioned them having a, a pretty good receiver. And I think you take your chances there. I think you are committed to stopping Jonathan Taylor. And I'm, I'm fully on board with what you're saying. I think defensively for Oregon, you're, you're, you're fully committed to limiting Jonathan Taylor the best you can. You take your chances on Wisconsin throwing the ball deep, which becomes a 50-50 ball versus them being able to get themselves in second or third and short and then having the full playbook. I think you take that out of their hands and you're, you're, you're committed to a recipe for success for Oregon. So I, I really like that pick. Uh, for me, it, it's a little bit it's, – it's kind of kind of weird to say this, but I think – this is a week that Oregon leans. It's not going to be different, but leans really, really heavily on the run game. I think Oregon will be very committed to establishing the run early offensively, getting, again, you want to take Wisconsin out of second and third and shorts or manageable. You want to get yourself into those if you're Oregon. So you want mm-hmm. to run the ball on first down quite a bit, probably more than uh, most Oregon fans would like. But I, I think you'll see Oregon really, really leaning on the run game early and ultimately opening up that pass game probably in the second half, you know, that late third, fourth quarter. You'll start them, you know, see them start really opening things up. But so for me, I think Oregon's going to be determined to hit the 250 mark of the run game, which is a lot. That's a lot of yards against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware. But I think Oregon really wants to match up and go power on power, even though Wisconsin's a very physical football team get a hat on a hat and move some bodies and be committed to the run game. If, if or, it, again, Oregon holds Jonathan Taylor to a hundred yards or less rushing, they're going to win the football game. If Oregon can get CJ Verdell over a hundred yards in this game or anybody in this, but if CJ Verdell can get over a hundred rushing yards in this game, Oregon wins as well. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my lock of the week. But, little, little blue skyed optimism little, for the ducks oh, in the yeah. Rose bowl. Player of the game, I'm going different, though. I don't know about you. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Kind of? Kind of. Okay. You, you go first. Okay. Uh, a lot of emotions. You know, seniors, I think the seniors really are going to have something extra in this game. You know, send themselves off and just kind of really putting a bow on what has been such a storied career for them. You know, obviously, you know, you're signing up for Oregon. Under the Chip Kelly years, you experienced the Mark Helfrich years, you experienced the Willie Taggart year, and now you've seen Mario Cristobal kind of take and, and push this uh, program. Your If Mario Cristobal can go on to have the type of career at Oregon that we kind of are, are seeing and maybe expecting, these are the guys that are going to be, it's going to be on their backs. Uh, for me, long, I was long-winded. My short answer is, uh, is, is Troy Dye. Uh, I'm never letting you go first again. Okay. All right. Well, never letting you go first again. Senior, uh, the, the absolute lifeline of the defense, the heart and soul of the defense, I think he goes out and just you're going to see him all over the field. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know if how much of the, of the club has been removed. Maybe it's been diminished by this point on his hand. Uh, you know, that should help him. But I just think he's a guy that's going to be flying all over the field and playing with pure passion. Yeah. Uh, player of the game. I, I had him circled for a month <laughs> of a guy that, I mean, you, you nailed that pick. A guy that 
is going to pour everything he has out there because he's the exception to the rule with all these seniors. Yeah. Herbert is going to be a first-round pick. Right. All the guys in the secondary that either they're going to go or they might go, they're going to be either day one or day two guys if they catch a break. They're yeah. talented. Uh, the guys on the line, same deal. You're looking at first-rounders and second-rounders. Troy Dye? I don't think scouts are that high on him. No. You look at the mocks and you read the grades, and he might be a day three guy yeah. if he's lucky. Yeah. So this is a player who says, my senior class lost to Oregon State. Yep. They <clears throat> lost badly to Washington. Yes. They let a playoff berth slip out of their fingers last year when they go to Pullman and get their butt kicked. Right. And then they overcome all that. They almost sweep the Pac-12 this year, yep. take the Pac-12 title, blow out Utah in the biggest game, and now you get one last chance to leave everything out there and, and play the game of your life and win the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think he's going to play out of his mind. We've seen a lot of great former Oregon players finish their careers and not really extend it into the NFL all that much. Maybe gotten a, Maybe gotten a... A cup of coffee here or there or right. you know even just but there are a lot of guys there's very few jonathan stewart's and and you know deforest buckner's and guys like that that those are those are the cream of the crop a guy like die has a tremendous college career his nfl career who knows what he's got this might i don't want to say this is his last game but you start looking at it and it's like this might be my biggest Right. Well, well, he's in an opportunity. Yeah. There are lots of players that are good college players that could be NFL guys. Right. And they bust. Every year. I don't think he's that mold. I no. think he's a guy who potentially might know, and he might not, might know he's a really good college player with not a lot of pro prospects right now. Right. And, and, and those guys, you get something special their last game. Yeah. And you've got this, and you've got you know your pro day at Oregon to kind of and the and the scouting combine to kind of really set yourself up for at least at the end of the day, right? I think I think right now, if you're Troy Die, you're you're hoping to make a squad somewhere and getting a chance, right? And then from there, see where it takes you. He is undersized, um, you know, and that's tough. But I mean, some guys just play football. They they tackle and they play football, and that's and he plays with a lot of passion. And there's, you know, he's never gotten in trouble at Oregon. I mean, there's there's a spot for guys like that in the NFL. So, anyways, seniors, heart and soul of the defense. I think the defense will will come ready. Uh, looks like we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It seems like it just seems like the obvious choice. If I had to go with a backup plan okay. there, the the only backup plan to me is Jordan Scott. Oh, just okay. because of of the schematic importance. Sure, you know, priority. A, priority B, priority C, yeah. pretty much all the way to X is stop Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And I think that starts in the middle. Yeah, I, I just, like, this game doesn't really uh, doesn't really give a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau a lot. I mean, I, you know, it's just not it's not one of those where the quarterback's going to drop back and throw the ball a bunch, so you mm -hmm. can't just let. Right. So, you know, it's just not specific for him. Maybe a guy like Javon Holland, to me, kind of sneaks in there because – you know, Wisconsin. If if they do stop Jonathan Taylor and Wisconsin's got to start throwing the ball more, you're going to create more opportunities for Javon Holland back there, kind of ball hawking to to snag a ball or two. That was kind of my next go to. It's really weird that we basically you know haven't mentioned anybody on offense, right? You right. Know, and it's, well, you know, I mean, we, we can beat this until we're dead 
Justin Herbert is important. With if the, yeah. if he doesn't yeah. show up, you lose. Yep. Period. But I think we're assuming he does. Yeah. We're assuming after that Utah game. Yeah. That the Oregon offense can do enough, and that even if this isn't their best performance, right? Assuming we get something similar to the Red Box Bowl. Yeah. Just if he doesn't throw picks and and make some bad decisions and and put Oregon's defense into difficult positions, I think Oregon can still win with an average game from Justin Herbert. Right. If he plays above that, obviously they'll just fare even better. But, um, you know, run game will be big, but Justin Herbert's got to do his part. Um, excited. I'm excited for Rose Bowl, man. Yeah. Freaking Rose Bowl. Yeah. Granddaddy of them all. Yeah. Uh, like Justin said earlier in the pod, if you're going – uh, get into the parking lots early yes. and check into the stadium early. Yes. You want to sweep through all the security and, and get to your seats and and uh, not have to worry about missing the kickoff or missing the coin flip, anything like that. Yeah, this is not Levi Stadium where you can breeze right in. This is not AT&T Stadium where you can breeze right in. This mm-hmm. isn't Austin Stadium. Even Austin Stadium will get bottlenecked, but it actually goes fairly quickly. Right. You know, well, you got to worry about forty thousand more people yeah, here. Yeah, you've got you've got more people, and you've got it feels like less entrances. I don't know the specific count, but I'm just telling you, you'll be in line a while, and you'll regret not. You'll be standing there going, "Oh crap, we're missing everything." Wait mm-hmm. in line. Just don't do it. Just get into the stadium and give them ten bucks for their ten dollar beers or whatever it is, <laughs> and, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy enjoy what I believe should be a very special game. Yeah. See, that's why I'm staying at home right there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The beer is free. Yeah. Scoop Duck and Hi Fi. I think the Ducks beat Wisconsin. I'm I'm assuming you do too. I feel like that's the move here. He's got his hands up and he's grinning from ear to ear, ladies and gentlemen. Ducks are gonna beat Wisconsin. Ducks are gonna win the Rose Bowl. And we'll be back after that game. Thanks for listening. Scoop Duck and High Five. I can do this night like all day.